Thug Passion Presents. It is a new show on Stitcher Premium. It's hosted by stand-up comics Shalewa Sharp and Courtney Fearington. Listen as they share their love for underrated black movies by breaking down scenes with fellow comedians and celebrating the influence these films and characters have had in molding today's culture. Thug Passion Presents is out now on Stitcher Premium. You can also listen to a little show called Lost and Found uh, by Matt McConkie on Stitcher Premium. And there's amazing uh, Bitch Sesh bonus episodes. I'm in one of those as well. Um, And a lot of other things that do not involve me, which are probably even more appealing to you. So go to stitcherpremium.com slash thugpassion and use promo code HOMOPHILIA for a free month of Stitcher Premium. So good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I got a summer haircut. Yeah, you really did. You are working a uh, a soccer hooligan look. Thank you, you for calling. That's a, the highest compliment. I uh, you are an extra in uh, train spotting. Right now. <laughs> that's what I said to the barber. Uh huh. Well, that's what you got. You know what it was? It's I realized we're about to go to Montreal. We're traveling, and I've got to be here next to this guy with his fucking Kennedy mane. Thank you. This just unbelievable. I mean, and. When you don't have that, you got to get creative. Sometimes you do you gotta, have you gotta, that. You got to. You, you do have that. Shear it all off. All you need right now is a tracksuit mm. and a heroin problem. And We're working you're, on uh, both. Great. Perfect. Perfect. Um, How was life? Life is good. Uh, you my have family in town. Niece and nephew and mom were here. Mm-hmm. We we were. Driving from the airport to home, and I said, guys, you have to give Michael a big hug. They're 9 and 10. Uh Never been on a plane before. They live in, you know, rural Ohio. Yeah. Uh, I was like, guys, when you see Michael, make sure you give him a big hug, proper greeting. And they're Mm -hmm. like, okay. There's there's a beat of silence, and they go, who's Michael again? And I was like, oh, okay. Michael is my boyfriend. Uh Oh, okay. Wait, so Michael's a girl? Nope, Michael is my boy. Michael is so, a guy. He's my, so you're. It was like, wow. No one prepped them for this. Not because there's any. There's no real like gay in the. I should say in the family members that I speak to, uh-huh. there's no issue with gay stuff. So I don't know. Why, I mean, my mom claims it's a non-issue. Why would I tell them? I wouldn't tell them that you were straight. I and I'm like, it's not quite the same. It thing. doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. But um, they. Uh, so what did you do? Did you? Th- that was pretty much the extent of it. I mean, they, they we had to go over it a couple times, and, and they were like, "So Michael's like your roommate?" I'm like, "No, Michael is the, this is Michael's house basically that we're going to." Uh-huh. I made the mistake of saying that, and then the, for the rest of the weekend, they referred to Michael as the guy who owns this house. Oh, then they, see, then they really got into that went south home ownership and stuff. <laughs> I was like, "Do you want to see the deed? Like, why, why are we so?" Zeroed in on that, but <laughs> anyway, it was a very fun trip. But how did they take it? They were fu- okay. I'm going to play this for you. We were walking the dog, and um, I got the phone out and I asked them, "What did you think when you found out that Uncle Matt was gay?" That's laughter. It's okay to be gay. What did you think, Zane? I was like. <laughs> Are you serious? Like, it's like it's okay, but I'm sorry that I'm laughing. But like, seriously, <laughs> that's what I thought. Okay. Oh, 
Well, they express yeah. themselves very clearly. Yeah. A lot of laughter. A lot of laughter. I was fine with it. How did that, yeah, how, did, how, how are you feeling? Uh, totally fine. I, I, I mean, it almost would have been more interesting if they, like, had a problem with it uh-huh. and they, they didn't. They, you know, they thought it was kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Yeah. I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah, being gay is pretty funny. Kids, it is. Kids say the darndest things. They sure do. Often true. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. This is, we are recording this. This is down to the wire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I should I mean, say that. Yes. Yeah. We're recording this intro like 45 seconds before the episode drops. So this is as current as we're ever going to get. Fresh content. Fresh content. Um, I was late to when we were supposed to be recording this intro because I'm pro- I, I'm profiling Terry Crews for Esquire, <gasps> which was great. So we spent the day together at the Getty. Wow. And And it just, I mean, you know, we had a couple hours to spend today and it suddenly became five. Because, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot to talk about. And he dove right in and was very open and very forthcoming in the middle of the, you know, Egyptian arts, you know, (laughs) exhibit that's there right now. And, uh, yeah, so getting getting back from that was, uh, you know, at rush hour was – That's amazing. Nobody nobody hears that and cares about the traffic, but – Oh, that is why we're recording no, we, so late. No, the, 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 the ads in the outro that you'll hear later, I, I did They're solo. Uh-huh. Uh, I was so pissed at you and judging you so harshly. But now that I know you're with Terry Crews. Yep. Yep. The guy's uh, he's got a powerful uh, presence about him. It really yeah. does. And uh, a very interesting story. So look for that coming up. Wow, what a cool also, day. Also, here's the thing. Here's just a, a little piece of advice. Um. I owed my mom a phone call just because you know it had been it had been some time, and uh, and I so like I was like oh, you know what I mean the car is typically a, a Bluetooth it yeah give a call when you're a little bit running late to profile a celebrity yeah and you got to wind through the the Hollywood Hills to get there <laughs> don't call your mother and then bring up the Peter Strzok hearings that's just a piece of advice from me to you. Oh, wow. Because what you will discover is that because your mom watches Fox News, um, this guy's a monster and he lied to his wife. So obviously that means he's lying to us. And he threw the – he he had a whole uh, conspiracy. Of course. That didn't work. But he's got a whole conspiracy. So I'm winding down fucking Beverly Glenn trying to explain to my mom, like, the difference between perjury and having an affair Mm -hmm. uh, while I'm like, I have to get to the Getty. And, like, the the service is always shitty. Service is always shitty. So, yeah, so then she gets a little hot under the collar because I'm, you know, fairly dyed-in-the-wool liberal. She's not wildly conservative, but she watches Fox News, so she thinks Hillary Clinton is Satan incarnate. So I raise my voice a little bit, and then we drop out. So she thinks I've hung up on her, and I have to call her back, but I can't call her back because I'm winding through the canyons, and the service goes in and out. So I showed up to Terry Crews, a little frazzled, a little frazzled and a little politically angry. So just don't do that. (laughs) What I'm saying is don't do that. Pro tip. Learn. Very relatable problem. (laughs) Very relatable problem. Um, Well, uh, before we get to this interview, Uh I have to share that. It's not that I got fan mail. I mean, you get fan mail all the time. I really don't. It's that Faye got fan mail. I love that. Uh, This is from... um, 
Allison, I don't, I'm sorry, Allison, I don't know how to say your last name. It's G-O-U-G-H-N-O-U-R. Gaunur? 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 Allison describes herself as um, a a, a straight middle-aged woman in the Midwest who is uh, being educated about the LGBTQ plus world by the show. She loves it so much. Yes. And she um, is... So funny and cool in her own right. She's become like Instagram buddies uh-huh. and she loves Faye, which of course that's the way to my heart. And she, she sent it. me, Faye, this beautiful Barkin, Barkin. Uh, handbag dog chew toy thing that oh, squeaks like fantastic. this. Fantastic. And those Barkin bags, by the way, $18,000. Of course. And Faye deserves it. Every She's worth every penny and more. Allison, this is the sound of my heart beating for you. Thank you so oh, I much. That. I love that. Thank you to you and to the rest of our listeners. I have a fucking dog too. <laughs> oh yeah, but Just putting that out there. Finn definitely does not get as much airtime only because he's not quite as emotionally, um, you know, complicated. As well, Faye. I mean, he has so, certainly been hurt on this podcast before. He will uh, he will wind up a storm when he's. Yeah. Stuck in a recording studio. God bless him. Thank you. Uh, and honestly, like I was, I just did the REM podcast with Adam Scott and mm-hmm. Scott Ackerman. They get, they get stacks of mail. Where's our mail? Where's our mail? Drop us a line. I don't know the address. <sighs> Figure it out. Figure it out and send us some goddamn mail. Um, All right, let's get into this episode. That what is. a great, great, great episode. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I was like enchanted. Yes. Is that the word? I think yes. that's the word. Delighted. Stephanie Allen is our guest. Uh, she's an actress and writer. And I mentioned this in the outro, but do you, can I, can you, we just recognize that she wrote the upcoming Jennifer Aniston movie. And I did not even bring that up in the interview. Can I just get, yeah, no, you didn't. Did you? For that? Wow. That's amazing. Did you just forget? I think I was also just so enchanted that I, that I temporarily forgot. Of course, wow. that's all I planned to talk about with her. Yeah. Well, she'll have to come back. We'll have to have her back. But for now, here's round one with Stephanie Allen. With Smart Design Premium Fabrics and Simple Shopping, Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, underwear, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. I am wearing my Mack Weldon underwear right now. I'm showing Dana, producer, just to uh, prove it. She said, wow, I did that not in a dirty way, but that's how much I love and live in Mack Weldon. Because not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. So they're perfect for working out. That's what I wear them for, not to brag. Uh, Going to work, which is kind of what I'm doing now. Going out on dates, which I sort of do that even though I'm basically married. But we go go on dates. Anyway, everyday life. Mack Weldon. Wear it. Live it. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. And if you don't like your first pair, keep them. They'll refund you. No questions asked. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code HOMO at checkout. That's MacWeldon.com and enter promo code HOMO at checkout for 20% off your first order. We're back with Stephanie Allen. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank Thanks you for, for coming in on a holiday weekend of That's all things. Right. I know. Thrilled to be here. Now, I should point out this is officially homophilia after dark. That's because we're right. all I've had wine and now I'm having a pilsner. 
Yeah, and I'm having a, uh, a it's an IPA that is crafted to remove gluten. I don't wow. know what that means. I'm having the same, and it's bold and hoppy. It's delicious. <laughs> Great. That's how they market it. I, Great. My family's in town, so I need this mm-hmm. so badly. Mm-hmm. Where's your family from? Ohio. Hmm. What about you? He, all over Southern California. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so, but I was born in Arcadia, oh, so kind of nearby. Gotcha. Um, so what's in your pop culture diet these days? Like, what are, what are you watching? What are you working your way through? Well, I haven't, like, binged a show in a very long time, yeah. and I watched um, Killing Eve oh, in too. two days. So good. I feel like that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. I've been uh, I was preaching about it to Dave. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my God. It's on the list. It's so great. And I feel like... I feel like the acting in that and the storytelling, I'm just like, this is everything. And then simultaneously, I'm like, God, I've really, like, turned a corner where I'm like, God, narcissists and psychopaths and, like, all of... I can't stop thinking about it. It's so good. It's like... uh, all, did, were you, did you watch Fleabag as well? No. You should watch Fleabag. I mean, it's so different, but, you know, it's... it's right, same, yeah. Yeah, creator. Um, that should be next. And do you think Fleabag is, like, on par with it? I do, but in a very different way. Fleabag is a very, like, like auteur show. Right. And it's based on, a, like, I think a solo show that she did, and you can tell it feels that way. Right. And Killing Eve is, like... Is like a genre. It's like a. It's so produced. It's like a stalker, and, uh, you know, detective drama, basically. Right. But such a cool, hilarious version of it that feels very like fresh. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm it's sold. So great, and it's like I was reading too that it's done the greatest out of any show where truly any show I think where. Every single episode had more viewers than the last, and then the final one had more viewers than the first, mm-hmm. which even back in, like, the heyday of network television never happened. Yeah. That it's, like, normally a show, like, has great viewers in the first episode, and they continue to have it, or it falls away. Yeah. Whereas that was, like, complete word of mouth, everybody watching BBC America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? I, I was getting to a point where I was like, I got to watch this or I'm going to lose friends. Yeah. Um, and I was slow to, like, sup- I feel like everyone's like, oh, BBC is the greatest. And I was like, yeah, I got to, I know, The Office. All. Like, I, and yeah. I had never seen anything on the BBC. And now I'm, like, watching Last Tango in Halifax, and I'm just like, oh, they're really better than us. <laughs> the writing, way. the act. I'm like, God, this is insane. <laughs> Yeah, and and they can just do something for six episodes and let it be. Yeah, you know, which I wish we could do. We're starting to. Yeah. Well, Killing Eve, they ain't gonna let it be. I mean, right? Right. No, that's out. like a whole other, and it's renewed, and it's like. And I can't. I need it now. I know. I can't wait another year. I haven't like I I did that with Lost like ten years ago. Yeah. And I haven't done it since. Where I'm like. I have to keep watching this. (laughs) (laughs) But that one kind of ran out of steam because it was an American show and they had to keep it going. Right, right. If that had been like three seasons of ten episodes, it would have been perfect. But what blows my mind about something like Lost is like – to me, I'm like, man, these guys are 
they're geniuses and right. they know what they're doing mm. and they know where they're going and they and it's like I don't think they did. I don't either. It's like you can just like have him read a book and it's like you know whatever the book is and you think that's a symbol of something and they're like oh we'll throw this book in we'll throw this in we'll do this and you're just creating shit that people are going like it's going to come together they're mm-hmm, going to bring it together right. and then they don't and you're just like oh what a weird way to write. Yeah. <laughs> I, they claim in re, like now that uh, it was all that that was the plan from the start. I think, but I feel like that's what they that have to be. say. That can't. I be. think maybe they were like, "Oh, they're all dead." Yeah, yeah. But all the stuff in between, like just creating that like drama. I don't know if that was all. It was a very long way to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where we got. And I think also like people who want to start a show like that. We'll do it, and the first few episodes get on the air. But then people on Reddit start to be like, okay, and like come mm-hmm. in with their theories. And there are enough of them, and they produce enough stuff because they're bored that like one of them will be right. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. So then the creators have to be like, well, I guess we have to go in a slightly different direction, <laughs> right? Like you can't just do your show anymore. Although right. I feel like they were getting to the last season and they were reading those Reddit things and they were like, let's do this one, uh-huh. this theory. I mean, maybe. I got nothing. Yeah. What's your garbage? What is, what, is, what is something that you're like afraid, not afraid, but ashamed to say that you like? Well, I'll this is a say up until this past week, I'm like, I don't ever do anything like that. And then I started watching the docu-series on Netflix about Donald Trump. Oh. oh I, Have you seen that? No. I have what is it? I've heard it's great. Though. I like would always see it on there. I'm like, fuck no, I'm not giving that numbers. I'm not participating. Mm-hmm. And then I started watching. And I'm like, oh god, I love this. What and is it's it? like, it's a docu series on Netflix, and it start. I haven't finished it, and it goes. It starts with him. It starts with like the shithole New York was in the 70s, and how his sort of rise came out of this idea that he was saving New York Mm -hmm. and you see him save the Commodore Hotel and you see him build Trump Tower and you watch him as a really young guy become the insane person he is today Uh not to say he didn't start that way but he's like nervous and he's putting himself out there and you see him where you're like, oh, this guy doesn't have the confidence in ways that he has now, and then slowly built it. Yeah. And then you see people start to turn on him, and you see that psychopath or sociopath in him that's like, oh, I'm going, you've turned on me, I'm going to destroy you. And the sickest part of it is that I'm watching, I'm like, I know people, and this is inspiring to people. His fan base, they are like, fuck yeah. This guy is wow. awesome. So this is not necessarily a series that's just for us. This is something that you could watch. I think it goes both ways. Yeah. I think for me, I'm like, oh, God, that's the root of him. Mm-hmm. That's where that his dad did you know, real estate in the suburbs. It wasn't cool. It was like for people returning from war, and he was building track homes essentially in the suburbs and making millions of dollars. And he was wealthy, but it's like it wasn't glamorous in any way. Right. And then you see Trump going like, oh, I got my eye in Manhattan, and I want skyscrapers, and I want the biggest building in New York, and I want whatever. And, and the docu-series goes into that part of him of like 
even when he built the, his first hotel, he wasn't at the cutting of the ribbon. He wasn't celebrated. He was a behind-the-scenes real estate guy. And then you see him solicit press for himself and go, oh, I'm going to make myself. He wanted to get on shows of, like, the richest people in New York. He wanted to be in Vogue magazine, and he wanted to do all these things. And then he got that press, mm -hmm. and he does have this, like, I'm mortified to say when I watched, I was like, oh, he is charming. Like, I'm yeah. always like, when people say that, about him, I'm like, oh, my God, he's like the most, like, buffoon, grossest human. And then you watch this when he's young, and you're like, oh, fuck, yeah. people love this. Yeah, there is, like, a very simple, like, warped charisma. Yeah. Oh, I, Jesus. I wonder <laughs> when... Um, and to what degree the nationwide Stockholm syndrome is going to kick in? Because <laughs> totally. I, because I myself, like, I find him absolutely repugnant. Oh, yeah. But there are there are moments when he talks when I'm just like, the, I love this. This is ridiculous, <laughs> and I love it. Today, today, we're ta we're we're talking to each other yeah. on July 5th. He did a, a rally for himself. Which why the fuck are you doing rallies for yourself yeah. on July 5th? And he said. Uh, we get the big crowds. We get bigger than Elton John crowds. He's got that organ. <laughs> and he was like – and he tried to make the point that because he – Elton John is a musician, th like part of it is the stage. But he can use the whole thing because I've just got my mouth. So, so I have a bigger crowd than Elton John because he's got the wow. organ. I got the mouth and the brain, which is also important. And it's like this is ridiculous, but I kind of love right. it. It's so shameless and insane. That it's like it's yeah. entertaining. It's, exactly. And that's what I think people like about him. Yeah. It's like it's like he redid the ice rink in Central Park. And if you go there now, it says Trump all over the side of it. And you're like, I was there a year ago and I was like, oh my God, I didn't know this this like iconic thing in Central Park was a Trump oh, thing. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I mean, it's so gross. weird to see now. And then you see in this um, docuseries where it's like he was pissed off at the mayor who was trying to redo the ice rink and he was like this mayor's dis he, uh, despicable I could I could do that in four months for this amount it'd be no problem he's taken seven years and he's failed all you do is lay concrete and put water down and freeze it so he comes in and he with his team they do it in two months for less than he originally said and then his whole crew is like, Trump didn't do this. We did it. Yeah. And then he's there on the opening of it, and he cuts mm -hmm. the ribbon. He's in, like, a suit on ice skates being like, I saved New York. Oof. And it wasn't even about money. It was purely that he wanted to humiliate this mayor who yeah. had, didn't give him the tax break he wanted for Trump Tower. Yeah. And you go, oh, he's not even operating from money. He, sh he was just pissed at this guy and wanted to do a spectacle yeah. and make a fool of him publicly Oof. and he succeeded and all of New York is going like Trump is great now we have this ice skating ring yeah you know what's crazy <laughs> is that I we've been doing the show for over a year and I think this I mean we have referenced him in in so many sort of roundabout ways so many times yeah. as, as just sort of this unspoken darkness but I think this is the first time we've like uttered his name. Yeah, I think show. you're right. <laughs> I think. Yeah, which feels great. Yeah. I would love for this to be the so one place sorry. where you no, no, it's a special occasion. <laughs> yeah, it took a very special guest to to bring us this 
low. It's our nation's <laughs> birthday <laughs> weekend. It's our nation's exactly. birthday weekend. We should show it We'd who it is right now. We didn't yeah. So your listeners don't know where you stand politically? Yeah, no, it's a real I don't mystery. Know I'm still <laughs> deciding. It's a real mystery for all of us, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, what a disgusting uh, piece of garbage. Uh, okay, on a brighter note, uh, before we, we move on, what – so um, let's just do a, like a lightning round of your pop culture favorites. Okay. So let's do top three favorite musical artists of all time. Oh, no. Are you willing – we've done this before on the show – to show us your last three iTunes searches? Oh, yeah. I love that. Do you use Apple I Music? I don't really use it. Oh. Do you do I'm, Spotify? No, I use Pandora. Okay. And I can show you my – Your stations? My stations. That. Okay. Sure. And some of this might have to do with having kids, but we'll see. <laughs> what are your Pandora well, stations? Well, I, while have, I only use Apple Music these days. Okay. You? Very good. Um, well, let's, let's find out together. Um, what are mine? I know there's a uh, there's a Blake Babies one. There's a Jason Faulkner one. There's a Jellyfish one. Uh, that was an ad. I'll show you what I, I was forgot to turn my sound off. To in the car, shamelessly. <laughs> and that yeah. is new kids super on the hit, block. Super hits of didn't new kids I on the block. Your mind this time. Starting with didn't I blow your mind? The Grays, Robin, Blake Babies, Rosemary Clooney, Pandora, Comedy Spotlight. These are stations? These are stations. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway. Okay, top one, Simon and Garfunkel, because uh-huh. I saw Neil Simon at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, yeah. Paul Blue Simon. Really? <laughs> Neil, <laughs> Neil Simon, Simon at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> he was he doing a stage California reading. suite at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, I saw Paul Simon. Okay, so I have Simon and Garfunkel, the Beach Boys Radio, Raylan right. Baxter, which my wife told me to listen to. He's kind of great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Raylan I was completely. Rayland. Rayland. Unaware. Indigo Girls Radio. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> James Taylor Radio. Couch Potato Radio. What's that? When I was little, there was this duo called Janet and Judy, and they sang, oh my God, they were like my idols. They were twins or sisters, but they said they were twins. I'm and they're. And then they did kids' songs, and I had all their tapes, yeah. and I followed them around as a four-year-old, and I tried to put my act together of, like, I'm going to be Jan and Judy. And now they've become Christian country singers. Um, I was oh, but are they lighting up? Yes. Their <laughs> are they picture? loving country? Oh, I don't Janet know. I don't and Judy. But... What's hilarious is I've since gone back to them having kids. I'm like, this is what I liked, and it's so – like, they're so weird. Wow. And then there's like – it's sort of like – so I was born in 85, and I feel like – so I was listening to them in like 89. And they do – they had this album where called State to State where they go to different states and they sing songs about each state, like educational uh-huh. songs. But then they do characters on, in, on this like tour bus – and it's listening to it now. I'm like, God, that like '80s teenager. That's like their like affect is like, oh my God, Judy. So I was just like <laughs> at the beach, and this girl comes up to me, and like a girl comes up to you. Oh my gosh, why'd she come up to you? Well, she was chewing gum, and it's like this weird. <laughs> it's so it's like Valley Girl, yeah. but not. And it's sort of like mature way more mature than they should be yeah. and it's 
I like love it even more. I've invested in this so story. <laughs> so she came up to her and she and she was chewing gum, or she came so up because this, she was chewing gum. I'm, they're I'm, at the I'm, beach. I'm they're in Malibu. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> and a beach ball hits them. Oh boy! And they're like, "Oh my gosh, this beach ball just hit me!" <laughs> And then they do the voice of this girl, Candy, uh-huh. who comes up and is like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. My beach ball just hit you guys. <laughs> and they're like, they're so, like, 80s nice teenager. Like, it's it's okay. We were just lying here, but we were kind of frightened by your beach ball. And they're like, what's your name? And she's like, Candy. Candy? That's an interesting name. Candy what? Well, Candy gum. <laughs> Why do? By the way, when you then I can't take it. Moved to well, you you grew up in California, but then when you you know made your way to Malibu at some point, I'm assuming were you disappointed that Malibu wasn't that? that? Was yeah, it's not all gum related humor that goes on (laughs) in Malibu. Uh, This is all I want to listen to now. I know that's my favorite cadence, and I I didn't even know how much I needed. To hear that. It's so great. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, and this is a little later, but um, Christina Applegate in um, Don't, Don't Tell Mom, Mom the Babysitter's yeah. Dead, sure. where they're teenagers, but it's like they're so mature mm-hmm. and she can go have a job and she just wants to watch Oprah on her summer break. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's so... <laughs> Old. I always the thing I always think about with that movie is that when she gets in trouble for taking petty cash, do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, her her the, her brothers and sisters like use it for a bunch of shit, and she's like, I used it for boots and a magazine. That's what she bought with it. And I'm like, gosh, she's so cool. Just yeah. Boots and a magazine, man. <laughs> it's all she needed. Yeah. I was like, I want to be the person who just responsibly, you know, digs into the petty cash, boots in a magazine. <laughs> For boots and a mag. Do you remember magazines? Oh, yeah. But that's that. like you, like yeah, what's so sad is like you think about kids with social media and I, I have an older sister and I remember her friends coming over and they would just lie out in the backyard with like, you know, like sun tan lotion and Seventeen magazine and just like they take their boom box out there and listen to like Puff Daddy. Yeah. And I'm like, God, heaven. Yes. <laughs> Such Still heaven thing. to me, honestly. One of my favorite airplane rides ever was with uh, when I was at MTV with one of the writers who went on to uh, to write the Click series. Just FYI, I'm just dropping Click. Lisa Harrison. Yeah, it was like a oh, cool. young adult. My nieces were really into it. Uh, anyway, uh, that's whatever. But uh, she sat next to me on a long flight, and she had I don't think it was 17, but it was like a, it was like a fashion magazine, right? And uh, and she would open it up, and she'd be like, "What's your favorite thing on this page?" <laughs> And it just became an interactive thing. Right. Like, and then, which haircut do you want on this page? <laughs> like, just really going through it, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's changed and my life. Now when I pick up a men's health. It's like, what is my favorite thing on this page? Yeah. I would do that with my brother where I would, like, open a magazine. I'm like, who's the most attractive person on the page? Uh-huh. He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm like, I need – like, for some <laughs> yeah. reason, I needed to know, like, yeah. who he thought was yeah. the most attractive. Get into that layout. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So who's the most attractive person on the page right now? Right now? Yeah, just in our general sort of pop culture page. Ooh, good question. Just, I'm going to give stage directions. She looks pensive. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Like that means like somebody young or just anybody oh, no, currently? Anybody. No, we're not ageist here. No, it could be a, a Charlotte Rampling if you want it to be. It could Charlotte be... Rampling is the most gorgeous human. I've Like her young 
I mean, she's gorgeous now, mm. but her young pictures, I'm like, what am I looking at? Right. It's like her and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I'm truly like, even Michelle Pfeiffer in movies, I just go, is this, what's, what, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> and why doesn't anyone else look like that? Yeah. To this day. Yeah. You still got it. Did you see Mother? I haven't. Did oh, you like it? I really hate I could not have hated it more. Everyone I says that. And he looks great. It. And it's, I like him. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe at home you might enjoy it. But like in a theater where you can't look at anything else, it was just too much. Dave did too a much. full spoiler here about I Mother. People absolutely were very did. upset about. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. People did it. get uh, get. And I, that, I mean, I read about it and I didn't end up seeing it. But is it the kind of thing of like, oh, he, he had this whole idea and this sort of narrative and genre that people didn't get when they saw it? Or mm. is it like, if, had you known that going in, is it then worthwhile? No. What it, it was, it was the opposite of that. It was, it felt very much like, guess what we're doing here? And like two seconds in, you're like, uh, this is Adam and Eve and here come Cain and Abel. Like it's, like it's, it's easy. It mm. is such, yeah, it's such an easy allegory that like right away you're like, okay, I know what you're doing here. But then the, you just keep doing it and right, doing it right, and doing right. it and it gets more and more violent. Right. And the house has a vagina and it's just, it's, it's, there's the just a lot. Going. A That's in the it? house has a vagina. They that, say like, that? No. <laughs> no, but it's just constantly like uh, Jennifer Lawrence just touching this vagina on the house and just, <laughs> Uh, just putting her hand on it, and there's what energy did she actually putting it. her hand on? What is of house vagina? Like I'm You're not saying that kidding. as if it is an existing thing. I mean, it really, it, honestly, like it's just like there are two. It's in a seam in like the floor, but it's just a it's just a pulsating vagina <laughs> that is just there, and then she just keeps putting her hand on and just getting energy, just getting from. recharged. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh wow, that's that's so, a whole new uh, spoiler. I will say mother. I don't know what that means necessarily. Well, well, so that part of that part of the riddle I have not solved. Wow, I can't recommend it. Maybe at home. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, but I don't know. Yeah, I do want to know what a house vagina looks like. Okay, well, I mean, listen, it's I'm sure it's streaming. I love the like thought too of like explaining to the actors, you know, and, like this is the vagina of the house. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, like mm-hmm. we're in a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's take a break. Let's do that. And we'll be right back. If you've ever wanted to test your competitive chops on a game show, you should be listening to Dr. Game Show right here on Earwolf. In each episode, the hosts... Joe Firestone and Manolo Moreno, they play listener-created games with comedian guests and live call-ins. I, Matt McConkie, have been a live call-in, and it was so much fun. Uh, The games are hilarious and creative and totally unpredictable, and you'll have so many laughs. Uh, It's a show that the whole family can enjoy, by the way, um, because some of the game creators and the players are kids, so you never know what crazy rules they're going to come up with or what they're going to say next. So they're all family-friendly. It's perfect listening for the car, for summer road trips. My niece and nephew were just visiting, and we were listening to it, and they had a great time, and so did I. Uh, other Earwolf hosts that you love have also been calling in. Your Brian Saffies, your Lauren Lapkuses, your Zach Reno's, Tawny Newsom, Mike, Michael Ian Black, and more. 
Dr. Game Show has also had Earwolf hosts uh, as studio guests like Chris Gethard, Gilbert Gottfried, the guys from Hello the Magic Tavern. If you want to be on the show, you submit your game show ideas to drgameshow at gmail.com and follow Dr. Game Show on Facebook and Twitter to know when you can play along live. Check out new episodes of Dr. Game Show every Wednesday wherever you listen. Mmm, that's my Fleur. Fleur is a revolutionary way of discovering and experiencing fragrance. I am wearing mine now, and God, do I smell good. Fleur's world-class artisans create fragrances that are truly special, delivered at an honest price. They offer a full range of distinct scents, so it's nothing like that body spray from college or the cologne that you picked out at the mall. And they have this sampling experience that is ridiculously easy. So instead of testing a scent on a strip of paper, you get to know each of their scents through pictures and words and music on their site before you actually try it on your own skin. And the best part, Fleur is completely transparent. So they tell you every ingredient in their products and why it's there so there's no secrets, there's no chemicals, none of that BS. Go to Fleur.com today, use promo code HOMO to get 20% off your custom Fleur sample set. Pick three cents to try, get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite using promo code HOMO at Fleur.com. That's P-H-L-U-R.com. You try three Fleur fragrances of your choice at 20% off. Fleur! Folks, we are back with Stephanie Allen. Hello. Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> um, hello, hilarious. <laughs> hello. Do you remember hello. Heaven-O? What? Do you remember the town that did Heaven-O? No. What? This was a thing in like the late 90s. There was a guy who was like the official town greeting in this town that's somewhere in New Hampshire or something. It's going to be Heaven-O. Heaven-O. And, and he gave a, like oh, an interview. My God. And it was like the word hell is in hello. You don't notice it, but look oh. at it. It's there. That's a good point. Yeah. So he's like, have a no. Have a no. Have a no. They use that at auditions. Yeah. <laughs> It'll work. Um, be remembered. Stephanie, what is your current relationship status? Yeah, are you seeing anybody? I'm married. You, you say that like. I am <laughs> married. Disappointment. <laughs> no, I'm thrilled. I've. Coming up on, I'm coming up on my three year wedding anniversary in October. Wow. And then we've been together five years. Oh, wow. my God. Kind of nuts. I um, have friends who attended your wedding and said it was one of the greatest days of their lives. They had their own <laughs> oh, weddings. Too. And I think that those were – that was included. <laughs> what uh, what happened on that day? We Talk went that wedding day. all out in past Christian, Mississippi, yeah. which is – we got married on the beach and it's a town about 45 minutes outside New Orleans. And I'm from here and I grew up in New York. Um, a little bit as well. So Mississippi to me was like Mississippi. Yeah. And then going, I've now been there 15 times to that town. And it's like, it's like Cape Cod without any tourists mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, it's like a functional sailing boat. You're on the Gulf town. It's stunning. It's nothing like what you envision of like rural northern Mississippi and everybody's pretty progressive, which kind of blew my mind. Oh, wow. And we got married on the beach and then her family has a house that kind of you can walk to. And so we walked to the reception and it was, That's so it cool. was pretty perfect. Were you on the beach beach? Yeah. Were you on the sand? On the sand. I'm always curious just about sh- 
footwear for beach weddings and like do you have to I mean, we put like a little thing down to make the aisle where we stood, Mm. but most people wore sandals. I mean, we we told people we were getting married on the beach. (laughs) But it was so interesting because we went all out in certain ways, and then other ways was like, it's Mississippi. And so her cousin called me a month out and was like, oh, Stephanie, I'm so sorry. I thought it would be no problem for you to get married on the beach down here, but... You actually need a permit, and we're going through the city right now, but there is a fee. And I was like, okay, that's fine. If we can do the permit and do the fee, then as long as it's, like, fine, then we still do it. And he's like – and I was like, what is the fee? And he's like, it's $5. <laughs> You're like, thank you for like, oh breaking God. that down slowly and respectfully. Yeah. And it's, like, essentially, like, where you're, like – like at some community center where you're like, yeah, we're using the beach today. <laughs> and it was $5. And then we had the entire police force close down a road so we could walk across yeah. it afterward. And that was them just being like, there's a wedding. And God, so you saw magical. And all these cars were like in insane traffic because they had to wait for everybody to cross this like main street. It would be at like PCH. Right. And everybody, like here, if that had happened, people would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. And everyone's like, woo, they're getting yeah. married. We have all the time in the world. And everyone was like out of their cars cheering. Oh, my God. And you're just like, God, I guess that's what time gives you, like I, a did, small yeah. town. Was there any part of you that was like, I don't want to leave here? Oh, I always feel that there. Yeah. I can't yeah, believe small it. Small town dreams? Yeah. Totally. Where you're like, God, you just like everybody's just hanging out by a pool and and they have, you know, it's like her cousin gave me the last time we were down there. She's like, oh, I woke up in the morning. She's like, here's a red rooster. She gives me this cup of like, it looks like a slushy. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And she's like, it's heavy vodka with some cranberry and an orange juice. And it's a red rooster. So basically, it's what you should have the first thing in the morning because it wakes you up. You should have it before coffee. And it's essentially like having three shots of vodka mixed with orange juice and cranberry juice. And it's frozen up. And it's frozen like slushy. Wow. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I like had this drink. And I was like, Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel great. (laughs) And that's just, like, casual. Wow. I want to live there. (laughs) So kind of the secret to everyone's happiness is that they're all a little bit drunk. Just drunk. (laughs) I mean, it's such a weird thing because I'm like, no, everybody everywhere drinks. Like, this isn't different. Okay, you can have it in your car. That's a little different. There's Uh drive-through, like, daiquiri, vodka, whatever – wine places because the driver can't drink but everyone else in the car can drink sure and so you kind of go okay well that's a little different but then when you're down there it's like like this they were telling us this story about this um her uncle my wife's uncle where he was the kind of the town drunk and he was extremely wealthy and they were like he this is bad. Like he can't hold a job, and they're like, oh, "Let's let's help him, just like get a job, and this will give him purpose, and he'll stop drinking. So we'll let him be the town's mailman, which is like a federal <laughs> like, point. You're working like it's mail. 
So he would he hired a guy to be a chauffeur and drive him around in a limo because he was drunk all the time. Wow. But he had money. So he's like, okay, I'll just get this driver. And he didn't want to drive the mail truck. So he would go and load all the mail into his limo. What? And then <laughs> while he was trashed, was like, I can't deliver this mail. I'm too drunk to look at the addresses. And so he's like, I'm going to take all the mail to the Yacht Club and keep it at the Yacht Club, and everybody can just come down to the Yacht Club and pick up their mail. Oh, my God. And everybody did. And they're like, oh, he's drunk. Let's just go get our mail at the Yacht Club. Oh, my God. That is three different kinds of delightful. I know. I mean, except for that guy. Who's like, everybody's just on board. It's like, oh, God, got to go down the Yacht Club, pick up my mail. It's not coming to my mailbox anymore. Yeah, no wonder they were so patient about your wedding. They were like, I just have to pick up my mail from because the yeah. mailman yeah. is too drunk. But otherwise, I it's got nothing to so do. It's so tiny, That's which so it's funny. like, it's like I think it's 4,000 people, which it, and it feels like less when you're yeah. in the kind of central area of it. And it's just, it's tiny. Oh, wow. That really made me laugh. <laughs> really good. So does your California, New York head explode in a small town? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I like it a lot. I definitely am like, God, this is great. But that kind of stuff blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And just that every story where I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> that just would never happen here. Right. And there, you know, she had, I think this is fine to tell, but she had a... Um, aunt who was blind and they're like oh my god we should set her up on a blind date my brother's blind (laughs) and so they went on a literal blind date (laughs) and her cousin's telling me the story I'm like so you thought you'd set up a blind person with another blind person. Literally the yeah. blind the lady. blind yeah, blind date. And they're like, Yeah, you know, we thought maybe they'd hit, they had something in common, so we we went down there and we dropped him off at a motel. And I was like, You, dro- you dropped him off at a motel? What? Like the the two blind people went into a motel room? A motel room to have their date. I was like, they didn't like, what's happening? And they're like, well, they got along at this thing we had, and so he dropped him off there. And then an hour later, he, she called me and was like, you got to come pick me up. He's getting too frisky. And <laughs> well, then they I pick mean, her up. And they, they were just, in a motel room. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. else would you be there for other than, I mean, wow. And you're just, everybody's sitting around, like, nodding, going like, yeah, yeah, so that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Oh my god! Like what a oh what a god. like book of delightful whimsical short stories you could write. I know. I know. Well, then you look at so many southern writers, and you're like, of course. Yeah. When you have that environment, and we were getting married down there, and when we started planning our wedding, gay marriage wasn't legal, and so we're like, okay, we'll like do all the paperwork and get legally married in Los Angeles, and then we'll go down there and have the ceremony and and do everything down there, and then. Like two months out, it became legal, which we didn't – I didn't feel like I had any sense that that was going to happen. I feel like I woke up one day and that had happened. And so we were down there. We're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's legal for us to get married in Mississippi. And her cousin was like, it's legal? And we're like, yeah, like – the Supreme Court ruled and the White House is rainbow. And it like this – and they're like, we didn't know. 
Wow. It, like, didn't reach them. <laughs> and you're like, I guess. And then when you're down there, you're like, nobody's watching TV except for college football or football. Yeah. And they're not glued to their phones. I'm yeah, assuming. they're just hanging out by pools and sailing and then just hanging out and drinking. And you're like, oh, I guess how would you have known? Yeah. If I was sold before, I am double sold. Double <laughs> sold. Can we do a homophilia live show in Pass Christian? Yes. Pasquishan? Pass Christian. Pass it's spelled Christian. like Christian and then it's the French the French pronunciation. Oh god, I got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There. Yeah, we're doing, there. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. So you you have twin boys? I have twin boys, yeah. How old? They just turned two last week. Oh, wow. And they just got off an airplane. Yeah, I was just saying we flew with them. We had flown with them a year ago, and it was, I think, like, for me, the most torturous event that's ever occurred. Why? Well, I think having kids has, like, brought in this element where I'm like, God, I never was looking to deal with other people this much. And to be like, oh, sorry. Oh, they're grabbing that. And, okay, like trying to contain them on an airplane. And we were flying from New York to L.A. just so, like, here's a bagel. Here, look at this. And here's you want to look at the magazine. And, like, they are trying to get out. And it's like – I feel like with kids, they reveal everything that you're thinking where you're like, yeah, this is weird. They have to sit in a seat for five hours in this tiny space. And they're like, get me the fuck out of here. And so this trip, they're two. So they had their own seat and wore their seatbelt. And even that, it went great. But it was also like, this is so unnatural. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, they're not, they're excited that they're on an airplane, but also going what are we doing? And so you're just like throwing hummus at them going, here, I want some pretzels and some magazines yeah. and here's that. Yeah. I feel how they feel on planes, honestly. Yeah. Well, I have to off. have a thousand distractions. Um, so tell us about the decision to become mom. Well, we, there was a documentary made about my wife, Tig and, mm-hmm. and it's called Tig and it's on Netflix and that's it oddly documents us meeting because when I started seeing her, there was a documentary being made about her. So that kind of came with it. Yes. <laughs> and and so she was in the process. We have a 15-year age difference. And she was in the process of trying to have kids. And, and if you have seen the documentary, it didn't work out. And so I had I, we started dating, and I was like, I'm completely fine and supportive. And, you know, I I was fully on board with that, and then it didn't work out. And so then we kind of – we got married and kind of put things on hold, and then we immediately were like, okay, well, I, we used my eggs, and then somebody in her family was the donor, and we did IVF and the surrogate and the whole mm-hmm. thing, and then it – Worked and so now we have twins. Yay. Yeah, but it felt very, it felt very easy and natural, and I felt very far away from it before I met her. Yeah, and then once I met her, I was like, oh, this is fine. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember in the documentary, I think we see scenes of of you on like some some early days dates, right? Yeah, documentary. Yeah, that's right. And there's a scene in the documentary, and I feel like the documentary doesn't totally capture this, but there's a scene in the documentary where she finds out 
I guess we find out that the baby didn't take with the surrogate and we get the call from the doctor and the camera crew was there and we were kind of like set up to be like it's going to be celebratory right, and right. the crew's here and we're in our apartment and and then it wasn't it was like the weirdest thing to all of a sudden go oh my god so devastating and all of these people are here and in that scene, it seems like in the documentary that we had been together a very long time when, in fact, I think at that point we had been together less than a month. And so it looks like we kind of – it was such a like – once we were together, we were so together. Mm-hmm. So it did feel like we definitely went through it together, but also it was so new in our relationship that once that had happened, we took a long time right, to then right. start again. Right. I've always, I've been excited to talk to you because I've heard Tig, you know, talk publicly about like you know so many things her life fell apart on many levels right before she yeah. met you and then it turned around in such a beautiful way. But I've always been curious to hear your side of it like what it was like meeting and falling in love with someone when they were in that well what's so crazy about it is we met both in relationships I had never been with a woman I didn't identify as gay completely thought I was straight and we met on a movie called Inner World where Mm -hmm. we kind of we do a lot of scenes together and end up together in the movie and she was with somebody I was seeing someone and we just really liked each other and were a mute like more like laughing like oh my god this person's so great I just thought she was the funniest person I'd ever met and then at the rap party of that movie she wasn't there and people were like oh yeah I guess she's really sick she almost died she like her pneumonia was really bad and I was like really oh god how crazy thinking it was so casual And then she went through the – she hadn't been diagnosed with breast cancer. Her mother hadn't passed away. She hadn't gone through all of her things, which she then did as soon as the movie wrapped. That all happened, and then she did her album and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And then I saw her a year later when the movie went to Sundance. Oh, wow. And so for me, I, like, bookended her tragedy of, like – I saw you when we shot the movie, and now I'm seeing you at Sundance, and you seem like the same exact person to me. And so what she had gone through, I didn't – I wasn't a part of or I didn't know her. You know, we did the movie, and we didn't exchange numbers, or we never saw each other after that. And then once we went to Sundance is when we kind of reconnected. And I remember being at the UCB theater, and someone was like, God, did you hear Tig has cancer? And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. I – it's crazy. I just did the movie with her. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even have her email or cell phone. Right. Like, it was just like, oh, man. And looking back, were you already were, – were there already sort of, like, dormant feelings there for her underneath? No. no. That's what's so – like, I can't believe that's true. Yeah. <laughs> she thinks this is so boring. Snoring tough very loudly. <laughs> But, like, I really liked her, and I didn't realize what that meant. I was I thought she was so funny, mm-hmm. and I liked hanging out with her. Yeah. And then 
we did that for six months in a very like, let's go have dinner once a month. And we would close down restaurants and talk forever. And she was very aware that, I mean, she knew she was gay. She knew she had feelings and she was completely upfront and was like, I'm not going to waste time here. And I was like, oh man, sucks that she feels that way because I love hanging out with her. And then slowly kind of was like, oh, I have feelings yeah. for her. And it blows my mind that I didn't, that I thought I was so straight. Yeah. And I, I can't believe that's true of myself. And it's so true. So how did you process it? Were, were there certain friends you would talk to? And No, I didn't talk to anybody. I was just like, ah, Tig's the best. And I go, we, this is my new best friend. Mm -hmm. And we hang out all the time. And we have such a great time. And then slow and I was dating people and then slowly I would sit on dates being like this isn't as fun mm -hmm. and and I felt disconnected in those relationships and then I would because she was like I'm a gay person I'm interested if you're not I'm not gonna do this this is weird I was like yeah of course I, okay but I wish we could just keep being friends but okay and then the more, like, longing I had for her, I was like, God, that's so weird that I bummed that she cut that off. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my sister I, I talked to my sister about it, and I was like, I think I like her. And when I'm on dates, I wish I was with her. But, like, the sex stuff, like, I don't really know. I just, mm, I can't get, I couldn't get my mind there. And then my sister called me prude, and I was like, oh, my God, am I just being prude? Like, is it, like, totally a cultural, like, I was this type in high school. I've been this type with men. I, I'm this way. This is what society tells me I am. I dated a lot. I most of the time would see somebody, I'm like, he's hot, and I would then date him, and it would be uneventful. Mm. And then it was like, God, I guess maybe I just didn't know this. And then once I followed that through, I was like, well, I'm not going to be prude and kind of went for it. I was like, well, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever experienced. And then I look back at those other relationships and I'm like, oh, I was just casually like, oh, let's try this. You're cool. Oh, this is all right. See you later. Yeah. Right. And then I now am like, oh, my God, if I had been if I had known I was interested in women in my teens, in my early 20s, like what that would have been is so different than what I had been doing. How did you bring the relationship back around? Did you call back and say, actually? Yeah, pretty really? much. Okay. Well, she had told me she was like, we need to stop hanging out and stop communicating I had I just talked about this on another podcast, but I, I wrote her this very, very long email where I was like, I'm not gay. I wish I was. You're the coolest person. Like, where I was like, I'm just going to, like, pour everything I'm thinking in this, this really long email and, like, just be, okay, like, we have to go our separate ways and she's wanting to go her separate way. So I sent her this really long email 
send it. And then, like, very immediately back, she responds, okay, Dyke. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, man, she's the best. (laughs) And then, so we did stop talking for two weeks. And in that two weeks, I was like, oh, man, I'm, like, not okay with this. And then I emailed her and was like, hey, when she was out of town, like, when you get back, do you want to just, like, meet up with me? And she's like, okay. And then I went over to her apartment and I said, I I think I really want to date you and, and do this. And she's like, okay. And from that day on, we have not been apart. Wow. Like a single day. So what were the conversations, other than your sister who called you out for being a prude, like what were the conversations like with your, like, friends and family I didn't share it with anybody no no like I was really like like it really fucked with my identity in ways that I couldn't even share with my close friends where I was like I'm not gay so I can't like start talking about like and I wasn't I wasn't like I can't like I look back on it and I'm like I can't believe that I was shy about that because I was like and it wasn't like I thought there was anything wrong with being gay yeah. and I don't come from a family that's against like I had no obstacle to being gay yeah. other than my own like no I'm this type I'm straight and I was homecoming queen and I like these stupid things where I was like that isn't me and now I'm like, no, that that is – I was that the whole time. Yeah. But these, like, labels that society gave me was like, no, that's a straight person. And that I went out with that guy and we did that and that's whatever. And I used to think – I would go out with so many people and I would really fuck up the relationship. And then I would think, man, if I was in, like – a small town and I was just like going to do that thing, I would have married that person. But I'm in Los Angeles and I'm an artist and I'm doing this other thing and unfortunately I can't go along with that like game. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's why I was fucking up every relationship was because I didn't want to commit because I wanted to be an artist in some way. And then I realized like, oh my God, I'm completely fine with being married. I'm completely fine with having kids. I'm completely fine with doing very traditional things with a woman. And then the other part of it looked like, this is boring. This, I, I have to get out of here. This, I feel like constricted and whatever. Right. I mean, and so once you, once it was obvious that this was a, serious relationship and it was going to progress when you started telling your family i'm assuming everybody was just thrilled well here's the thing that floored me is when i started to tell my closest friends everyone's like oh yeah well she's so hot and i've i'm bisexual and and i was like what like every single friend closest friend of mine had been with women considered themselves bisexual never shared that with me or wow. with anyone I knew. And I was like slowly going through all of my closest friends who were like, yeah, I'm bisexual. And then I was like, I don't know a single straight person <laughs> except this myself. And why didn't anybody say this to me that they were doing this with women? 
And your family too? They were all like, I'm. My sister's the only straight person, (laughs) but I still feel like everybody's somewhat gay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's probably true. Um, when, I, I, don't, I mean, you can. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. But when things became physical, did you? Were you nervous? Did you feel like I well, don't know what to? I mean, it it reminded me of being in middle school sure. of like people being like, "Well, this is what a blowjob is," and you're like, "What? Mm-hmm. That's insane!" And then you're like, "Okay." Yeah. And then like once things were physical, I was like, "Oh." I didn't ever have this with men. I wasn't actually into it. I I completely bought into the, oh, he's hot. Oh, he's so cool. Therefore, sex will be great. Right. And then I never – it never was. Or it, it wasn't enough or whatever. It wasn't love. And so it was extremely disposable to me where I'm like, oh, we're not doing that anymore. Fine. I feel great. Great. I don't have to do that with you anymore. And then with her, it was like the greatest thing in the world where I'm like, oh, this is why people say sex is so great because you're connected in ways that I just wasn't – it's like you can have pleasure physically with someone and it's fine, but it is disposable, sadly. And then when you're connected with someone, it's like, oh, this is what I was looking for. This is what everyone's talking about. And now I look back to the time when I thought I was straight. And I'm like, oh, my God, if I was dating women, that would have been a whole other situation. A heyday. Yeah. Yeah. But you could also be in a relationship with somebody who is less right for you. Yeah. You know? Right. Exactly. settled early. Tons of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It sounds like when you were dating guys that you were a little bit of a heartbreaker. Am I right? Sadly. Like, is there a trail of tears? Fine. Well, I was just like I, – I didn't know how to commit. I didn't know how to like be – I would go, oh, I do a show on Thursday nights at 11 p.m. So that will be the night I go out with someone and then I have to go to that show and if I like them, they can come to the show and then we can keep hanging out. If not, I just have to go to the show. And it was like subconsciously in my mind, I would go out on Thursday night. I would set up dates on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. And then if I liked somebody, I would go, well, I'll see them again on the next Thursday. It was like, and if somebody, if I was with someone in the morning, I'd be like, oh my I don't want to have breakfast and then we're going to walk and then we're going to do what are we going to do like I get the fuck out and I didn't of course that's awful and offensive and it's like these were people I really liked and these are people I'm now very close friends with that I just didn't get wanting to stay in bed all morning I was I would wake up and be like oh no because I didn't have it was like a friend yeah, yeah. where you're like go home and then we'll see each other and we'll hang out and but I got stuff to do right right so were there guys that you felt like uh, especially after you you know figured everything out that you felt like you had to sort of make amends to yeah I think a lot yeah. but I also felt like I got this sort of um weird pass where I was like oh I'm gay 
So, like, it was like a public, like, that's why that was so nuts. Yeah, it's not you. Yeah, it's not you. And I do genuinely feel that way. Whereas, like, if somebody was like, oh, I'm interested in that person you dated, I feel like I would go, they're the greatest human being. And you'd be so lucky to be with them. I can't, I'm mortified by what went down with me and that person. But I haven't had that actual conversation with someone. Yeah, yeah. But I am st- – I would say I'm still friends with most people that I dated. It's a good sign. You're ready for it. But I'm sure they would confirm that it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Doubt it sincerely. No. All time spent with you is good. Yes. Stephanie Allen. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah, this. thanks for having me what on. This was really fun. Happy 4th. Hey, happy fourth. <laughs> what a great country. <laughs> okay, guys, that's our show. Dave is not here because he doesn't care about us. Just kidding. Uh, he is predisposed. But uh, thank you for listening, and thank you to Stephanie Allen. I, I mean, I'm so enamored of her, and I made it through that whole interview without even mentioning that she wrote a movie starring Jennifer Aniston that's coming out on Netflix. Um, it's called First Ladies, in which Tig plays the first female president and Jen plays her wife. Maybe it's vice versa. I don't know. Look for it. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you, everybody at Earwolf. Thank you, um, Ben Wise, for the music. Uh, it's so weird doing this alone. Uh, anyway, that's it. Bye. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.